Twitter, Anime Guy has been pointing out a few oddities in the past few episodes. Um, in our most recent, I lamented Ash's inability to notice any signage at all. Like, the kid just always seems to be trespassing in a Pokemon preserve. And Anime Guy agrees, it's a little weird, like, why don't they have fences? And he pointed out, yeah, Ash doesn't look where he's going, but what's Brock's excuse? And May... And you know, I think he's right. Brock should be used to this by now. Like, you'd think he'd be more responsible and keep an eye out. But the comment that really got me was a couple episodes back about uh, Anthony the Pelipper Trainer. And Anime Guy wrote, Should the people have been given their Pokemon back, they did go into a battle where they bet their own Pokemon. And Anthony was also cheating in official Pokemon battles. And yeah... I thought that was a little weird, too, that them giving back the Pokemon to the trainers and nobody commented on it. And that Ash gave such a pass on that, like, Anthony's deception, primarily. Those people probably should have gotten their trainer license revoked, but that's a job for Officer Jenny to sort out. Uh, but I would have expected Ash to give Anthony more of a lecture. And I would say... It wasn't an official match. Like, remember, this is an unofficial gym. And he had no badges to give. There was, like, no accreditation or anything. No stakes, no prizes, no fees. Uh, at least before Team Rocket got involved, anyway. So, really, this was, I guess, by all accounts, a glorified field battle. Like, unless Anthony received money for having the world's strongest Pelipper, or he took money from any trainers he battled like the games, I think he's just kind of squirrely. But not a criminal. It doesn't seem he took Pelipper to challenge any official venues either, like anything where you would have had to register and thus make it an official match. You know, because presumably any gym leader would have shut that down in a heartbeat. So I think legally all you can do is shake your finger at Anthony. Like, if you reported it to Officer Jenny, she'd just be like, you shouldn't lie. Like, and that's it. Like, it's definitely against the rules, and it's definitely not allowed, but it's not like there were any damages incurred that you can seek rep retribution for. So in that sense, I can see why Anthony didn't get a lot of comeuppance uh, after his Pelipper and other Pokemon were restored to him. 
but it is very weird that Ash didn't take this personally. Like, your honor as a Pokemon trainer, blah, blah, blah. Seems he would have been all over that. But anyway, you're listening to Peak Appy Podcast, a show about Pokemon. We go through every episode of the Pokemon anime and talk about really nerdy minutiae. Like whether random characters of the day and their Pelipper count as official battles. We got a fun episode today. It starts out looking like it's just going to be filler and then we end up getting a new team member. Get ready for advanced generation number 12, the Lotad Lowdown. But first, a word from our sponsors. Veronica Taylor, the voice of Ash Ketchum, is probably one of the nicest people in existence, and PokePress got an interview with her. You definitely want to head on over to YouTube to check that out. And while you're there, you should also check out their interview with the winner of the Midwest Regional Video Game Championships. Who is it that is poised to be the very best like no one ever was? And for a bit of news, there's also a video about Indigo League episodes coming to digital. So PokePress has got you covered from all corners, news, games, anime, actors. You should definitely head on over to YouTube and visit their channel. Or find them at pokepress.blogspot.com. You can follow the directions I gave you or click through my blog page and I'll give you that info at the end of the episode. And that episode number 12, the Lotad Lowdown. And the episode opens and the kids are all swimming. Max is getting into splash fights with whoever will. <laughs> and Pikachu is magically not electrocuting everything with his static ability. Like, really? Isn't it just like dropping a toaster into the bathtub? Like, Ash, you are taking your life into your hands whenever you do this. Brock is taking proper precautions to warm up his body with stretches and appears to prefer the inch-by-inch inch method to getting in the water instead of just jumping in. Uh, but all of them have fun in their own way and don't notice the dozens and dozens of glowing red eyes surrounding them in the water. At least until it's too late and they're surrounded. The world of Pokemon, so fun, they said. <laughs> Uh, but it's not some evil Loch Ness monster convention trying to eat them. It's it's just a bunch of Lotad playing. And they're pretty cute once they reveal their actual forms. <laughs> they only submerge the kids for a few seconds and then they uh, make cool little fountain shows for them using Water Gun. Uh, which Max comments, Lotad can't usually do. Given the Pelipper of a few episodes ago, I'd be very curious about this uh but in fact there is one little lotad on the end who can't really use water gun or at least it can't keep up with its buddies it only shoots out a little trickle and kind of ruins the whole spectacle that the rest of the team was going for and it does manage to get enough power behind the water gun later when brock steps right in front of it though Anyway, in the midst of this, a girl walks up saying the lake belongs to the Lotad and Ash and his friends can't swim here. They need to come with her. And it's like the second episode in a row, like good call, anime guy. Like how does Ash keep missing all the no trespassing signs? And Brock and May. 
Team Rocket, too, seems to have missed all signs of any kind. They're hopelessly lost, to the point that James just collapses on the ground and is like, that's it, guys. I'm done for. Go on without me. Sing Danny Boy in my memory. Like, there are tears, there is drama, and then the trio spots a berry high in the trees. Like, yes, this could save them, feed them, hydrate them, all of that. Jesse and Meowth fight over it in an epic battle while James just lies there dying. <laughs> but it's probably for the best that they just leave him there because it turns out to be a tomato berry. And for those of you who forgot how to make Pokeblock, that means it's spicy. Jesse and Meowth turn red and they learn flamethrower on the spot. Anyway, on the other side of the lake, uh, that little girl, Natalie, dragged Ash and his friends home to a flower shop run by herself and her big sister, Nicole. And she's like, okay, sis, give them the lecture. And as it turns out, Nicole is nice and tells Natalie to be nicer to travelers. So everyone apologizes and forgives and makes nice. And Brock flirts. And Nicole... Forgive me, but she seems, like, kind of okay with it, maybe even into it, if a little surprised. Uh, but anyway, she invites the kids for pie. And as she does so, Brock meets another sister of the flower shop, and it's like the Jenny Joy Two Perfect Girls scenario. He's like, how can I choose between such loveliness? Yes, uh, the new girl here is named Rita. She's got her cute little Whalmer pail for watering plants. And it sprung a leak, and, like, all the pipes, the irrigation pipes are kind of in trouble, so she, that's her complaint. And her reaction to Brock is mostly surprise, but by now, Natalie is furious. She's jealous that Brock didn't say any nice things to her when they met. Maybe little Natalie has a bit of a crush. Uh, but this area, up in the mountains, near the lake, is perfect for growing things. In addition to flowers, they've also got orchards of berry trees. And like the pie, it was made from sweet oron berries. The kids are impressed as they eat up, and Brock gets a taste of his own medicine when little Natalie gives him a whole pile of pie. Like, if you didn't watch the episode, try to picture a pile of pie slices. <laughs> Just wow. And she says she made it herself from scratch, especially for Brock. Uh, after they eat, the kids let their Pokemon out to get some of that fresh, clean air. And they learn about berries and their effects. Uh, tomato berries, oron berries, citrus berries. All of this is interesting to the kids because they're all nuts about Pokemon, but especially to Brock. Pokemon breeder in training and expert cook, this is like the convergence of all his interests. Um, but they also get to see those Lotad again, uh, who live in the lake, and they're helping Rita out with watering the plants. And since that pipe system is down and the Whalemar pail isn't working, she's really grateful for the help. Um, all the three sisters here grow these wonderful berries, so the Lotad are grateful to them too. So it's, it's a win-win symbiotic relationship. And the Lotad here, again, no water gun, which uh, that species typically does not know. But Nicole says the Lotad around here know all sorts of unusual attacks. Hmm. The water gun I remember. I wonder if any of these other interesting tricks will ever pay off. 
We'll see. But the kids decide to stay for a bit and help out with the chores. And while they decide that, Team Rocket has discovered the lake. So they get a drink. No need to leave James behind to die. Meowth and Jesse can soothe their poor lips. And being at the same lake, they discover the twerps. So in reality, they were never that lost. Pretty close to their targets. Um, and they see the Lotad, which cues a boss fantasy like Giovanni would love this. So, plans to steal and earn a promotion come into play. Well, remember that one Lotad who couldn't really do water gun? Well, it's having problems now too. The Lotad are carrying water from the lake on that flak disc on their heads and watering the plants uh, that way. But this one has arrived at the plants and just kind of stopped, creating a traffic jam. So Brock goes over to try to help and figure out what the problem is. And he coaches Lotad to water the plants, and it works. Brock is really good with Pokemon, and afterwards Lotad says thank you. And It's small, but I kind of love the exchange between Max and Pikachu. Max is all, I think Lotad's saying thank you, and Pikachu's inflection seems to be sort of a, yep, you're right, sort of sentiment. And I don't know why I love that, but it just reminds me, like, Pikachu can understand everything the Pokemon say, he can understand everything the humans say, he just can't translate to the humans what the Pokemon say, so he's gotta get frustrated from time to time. Like, I could've solved this in two seconds, if only. But Brock did pretty well in this situation. And it won't be the only situation he's involved with today. Uh, because they finish their work just as the sun sets and find that little Natalie has disappeared. Where did she go? Into the forest to find citrus berries for Brock. That's dangerous for a little girl to do alone. No Pokemon even. Though she looks like she might be old enough. And that's a thing that's hard to judge now that Ash has effectively grown up. Because in Indigo League, kids who were old enough to be legit Pokemon trainers were drawn approximately the same as Ash. Like, their design suggested they were the same approximate age. Age, you know, loosely defined, like, but in a similar state of development. Like, that's a whole nother discussion, but, like, it was a fair rule. Ash left as soon as he could the April after he turned 10, as did Gary, so any kid we met who looked younger than Ash couldn't be a Pokemon trainer. Pretty much. There were a few anomalies, and any time a kid comes from a family full of Pokemon, like, or a gym leader family, like, you gotta wonder how that works. Like, gym leader kids, like, is the Pokemon theirs? Is it officially registered to them? Can they do anything with it, like, enter matches, or are they just kind of taking care of it? like the family pet, until they're old enough to do it themselves. Is it actually registered to their parents? Um, but by and large, Pokemon trainers were at Ash's level of maturity or older. And in Johto, it was mostly the same, like Casey. Theoretically, she must be younger than Ash if she left when she was 10, but her design still reflected being in that similar state. Like, she looked like someone who could be Ash's peer. And most of the trainers we met in Johto followed that guideline. Like, if they were legit training, entering gym matches on a journey, they looked to be in that same 
approximately 10-year-old bracket. But in Hoenn, I've found it's a bit harder to tell. Like, there's a clear difference in height and maturity to Ash and this girl. She is clearly younger than him. But something about Ash in relationship to all the other characters has shifted. Like, May seems to be in that same approximate 10-year-old bracket as will Dawn and the others, but they are probably both chronologically younger than Ash. And something about Max's design reads as definitely younger, like Max is short. You look at him by himself or in a group and you're like, yeah, that kid's too young to be a Pokemon trainer. And you look at May and you're like, yeah, she's about the 10-year-old model. She's old enough to have Pokemon and so is Ash. But Natalie falls somewhere between Ash and May and Max. And then there's still that gap between May and Ash that's really up for debate. Like, you can argue a bit of May's figure, but, you know, I've seen 10-year-olds who do kind of look like that. And certainly I've seen 12-year-olds who do so. She could be exactly Ash's age and just left home late. She could be, as I said, chronologically speaking, younger than Ash, but still in that age group where this culture calls them 10, or in that stage of development called 10 that clearly has no relations to how many revolutions the planet takes around the sun. But my point with all of that ranting is that since Ash has aged, obviously, not that the narrator is calling him a different age or that he's grown taller, although if we checked the design against Misty and Brock, I think he might have, but simply because the series has been going for so long and time does in fact pass forward <laughs> in some manner, there's now a bit of an in-between stage between like Ash and May and Max, where in between there, sometimes the kids do turn out to be Pokemon trainers. Ash is no longer the baseline of, like, you must be this old to train Pokemon. And I would say that probably neither is May. And this girl, Natalie, seems to live in that ambiguous space. She's a little older than Max, a little younger than Ash and May, and if you told me she's old enough to train Pokemon, I'd buy it. And I'm not sure how much of that is, like, conscious design on the part of the production team, and how much of it is just our mental perception playing tricks on us. Like, we in our heads know Ash should be older, so therefore we see everybody a little bit differently. But it's kind of fun watching that gap come into play as Ash gets older without really getting older in the sense that we're used to. Uh, but anyway, the plot, uh, it's dark outside now, full-on night, and the kids are looking for Natalie. Lotad is helping, and they find her. Uh, after crawling through a bunch of bushes, she did find a ripe citrus berry, but then got attacked by a beedrill, so Brock has to follow the screams and rescue her with Fortress. Fortress chases off beedrill with rapid spin, and thank Arceus it didn't use explosion. Uh, but Natalie is very happy to be rescued by her crush, and her sister is, is just happy she's okay. Enough to tone down the lecture a bit. But since they're out at night, they're in perfect position to stumble across Team Rocket and their scheme, and Team Rocket's managed to get their hands on a boat. Like it's almost a cruise ship, how did they even? 
Like, I spent a lot of time on this show rationalizing things and pounding square pegs into round holes so my nerd world makes sense, like the age issue. I cannot figure out how Team Rocket gets all their mechs together in the middle of nowhere. They have a special relationship with the Acme Shipping Company or something. Like, they're, they're really good at jerry-rigging stuff out of random scraps. I don't know. But, hey, they're on a boat. And they're gonna go steal all the Lotad. They sail away and the humans are like, how are we gonna warn all the Lotad? There's, like, no time. We're on foot. We gotta get all the way around the lake. And this scene... Lotad starts saying something, and Brock does the usual, like, what is it, Lassie? Did something happen to Timmy? And and he's not getting it, and suddenly Pikachu barges in. He's like, we don't got time for this. Lotad and I will hash this out. You guys catch up later. They have a quick conversation, and suddenly Lotad is speeding across the lake like a jet ski, and Pikachu's surfing on top of its head, and Ash is on the lakeside like, well, go get him, babe. Like... <laughs> The humans are just gonna take the long way around. Like, I, I love that scene. Like, Pikachu being like, just do not wait for the translation, let's just go. Uh, so, Ash and company walk around the lake, uh, headed to where May, Max, and Nicole are, um, and all the Lotad. And Team Rocket arrives and they start sucking up all the Pokemon into the boat because who's gonna stop them? May's Torchic? Like, <laughs> they pretty much got this. Luckily, that's when Pikachu and Lotad show up, and look at Pikachu just charging into battle and working well with others. Like, it just strikes me, he would not have been capable of this in the first season. Definitely not, like, the first ten episodes. Like, it was hit and miss whether or not he'd even want to help out. And, and yeah, he'd probably lift a paw to help another Pokemon, you know, rescue them from Team Rocket, but he could not have planned and mounted a rescue mission on his own without Ash. He didn't have the strategic skills and the interpersonal skills. Like, like even episode two, coming up with that idea to use all the other Pikachu, he kind of needed Ash to do it. And even then, the plan was still just, let me fry things bigger. But to be able to strategize and work well with others, that's what Ash has really done for him. Like, forget the fact that Pikachu is physically capable of fighting this match, that he can do it without his trainer around to tell him what to do, that he has such perfect confidence in his training to take what he's learned and apply it without Ash. Like, that's awesome. So Pikachu and Lotad zoom up, and Pikachu jumps onto the boat to deal with Team Rocket. Meanwhile, Lotad circles around to blast a hole in the boat with Water Gun. Yes, that water gun punched through solid steel. Fail on the Acme Company. Um, and all the Lotad are freed. Pikachu can explode the rest of the boat with Thunderbolt, and Ash and Company can just watch the light show from the shore. P pretty amazing, like we did not actually need any human trainers in this episode. Well, in the morning, the kids are ready to head off again, and Natalie's given Brock a whole list of info on berries. Uh, with the promise that she won't go venturing into the woods alone after dark anymore. And Lotad, that one odd little Lotad, decides it wants to come with Brock. Well, well. It's very attached to its new friend and wants to continue that journey together. And so, Lotad is caught. We get a new member of the traveling party. So like I said, it 
started out looking like it was just going to be pure filler and then it ended up being introducing a new character. And it's following that same format I was talking a bit about last episode where it's like the this is the episode where we explain this thing sort of format and you know other than capturing Lotad and maybe telling people about berries I don't think anything of importance really happened but at the same time there was kind of just that wonderful attention to detail that I'm loving about Hoenn especially early Hoenn where the writers remember that yeah Pikachu understands everything and he doesn't have to be attached to Ash's hip like just because he doesn't speak our language doesn't mean he's not autonomous and he can just go off and take charge like Chuck Norris or something. I like that. And like I said, Lotad joins the team and uh, Lotad will grow up to be a very interesting character in the future. <laughs> so look forward to that. Water gun won't be the only weird thing we see coming from this character. But in the meantime, if you want to comment on this episode or Lotad or anything, uh, you can visit our blog page, pcappypodcast.blogspot.com. We're on the Facebooks and the Twitters at pcappypodcast. If you want to comment on other odd things you think you noticed in various episodes, as always, we're on iTunes, Zoom, wherever you get your podcasts, or you can send an email to pcappypodcast at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you had fun. Uh, until next time, this has been Peak Happy Podcast. Gotta catch them all. <laughs>